Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm Deacon Al. I am a permanent deacon of the Peoria Diocese, coming to you on Catholic Spirit Radio Saturday and Sunday evenings to talk about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we talk a little bit about Catholicism, a little bit about Christianity in general, but specifically about the readings from this weekend's Mass and how they play a role in our life today, as well as in the days of uh, of Jesus Christ and his apostles. So uh, I, I love this reading today, the gospel. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's It has some great, there's some great meat in there for a lot of different discussions. Uh, but we're going to start by talking about golf. That makes sense? Uh, you don't you won't find golf anywhere in the Bible, I, I promise you. But uh, I I like golf. I am not a golfer because golfers are actually fairly good at it, or at least they they play frequently. So the <clears throat> the last time I played a lot of golf was uh, gosh about sixteen years ago when I I played eight weeks in a row. I didn't really play a round of golf. I I went with my son to his golf lessons. Cause that was his graduating high school graduation gift was I bought him a set of clubs. My wife and I bought him clubs and ate golf lessons with a local pro. So I went with him. We, we did this together. I had done it eight lessons with this same pro probably two, three years prior. That was the last time I had golfed. I I've been to a lot of golf outings uh, because of my business. I, I've sponsored holes at golf outings, charitable outings, mostly. And uh, also in, in my previous professional life, I helped organize and, and staff golf outings. And that's what made me take up the game. I thought I, I probably should know a little bit about it before. I know very, I knew very little about golf. My, my way of golfing was uh, when you would uh, putt through the legs of a styrofoam giraffe, I mean a fiberglass giraffe. That, that's basically my kind of golf. I'm currently carrying a battle wound on the top of my head from, from said giraffe where uh my, my first putt ended up directly underneath him. And after my second putt, I stood up and hit my head against the belly of the giraffe and have a little cut now. So I've been, I can say I wounded by a giraffe. So anyway, uh, so most of my golf, most of my golfing is spent in lessons. So this last Thursday evening, I, I just had another golf lesson because I hadn't played in, I probably haven't played in five years because of COVID basically. But uh, the Knights of Columbus have a charity outing uh, that they're sponsoring for uh, some sponsor, some scholarships through uh, at Central Catholic High School. Uh, this is a Monsignor Greg Ketchum golf outing, which I, I've played once before years ago, and it was great fun. And uh, I said, sure, I'll play again. So that's coming up in, in the first week of September. So I went out the other day to drive some golf balls, and it was it was sad. It was hideous. So I thought I cannot show up at this golf outing and be laughed at all day long by my three other uh, uh, partners here uh, if I can't actually hit something. So, so Thursday night I, I had lessons again, and and I bring that up because I can't really call myself a golfer if all I do is go to a few practices every few years. So why is that pertinent to Christianity? Well, you can't really call yourself a Christian if all you do is practice a few Sundays a year, that's not really what being a Christian is about. Uh, if you're a golfer, you play regularly. 
frequently and you make efforts to get better at it. You, you try to improve. Uh, and there are a lot of ways to look at that. You can look at, at your score or you can just look at the length of your best drive that day or the best putt or even how you feel at the end of the round, right? And there's a lot of ways to judge if you're, if you're getting better. Uh, there's a lot of ways in Christianity to judge if you're getting better. But if all you do is practice a few Sundays a year, that's not, you can't really call yourself a Christian because you're not, where's the application? Where's the effort to improve? And that's that a lot of our readings this weekend. That's what it talks about. Who do you align yourself with? What do you call yourself? And what does it take to really call yourself a Christian? Uh, because, or to even say that you're saved. I mean, there are, there are faiths in, in our Christian world that say, well, if you just say you're saved, you're saved. Uh, I would have to disagree with that. I think scripture leads us in a completely different direction because uh, quite frequently, uh, Jesus and, and his apostles talk about uh, the, uh, the, the grace of perseverance. Well, if all you have to do is say one time, I'm saved. Christ is my Savior and I'm saved. If you only have to do that once, there's no perseverance involved. Uh, it's this is a daily grind. Christianity is not an easy life. Salvation is not an easy uh, road to hoe. It it takes some effort, and uh, so many people either don't want to put the effort in or are willing to put in the effort for as long as it is comfortable for them. But when they become challenged by their faith, when by that I mean when they want to do one thing, but Christ is telling us no, you have to do something else, they're very quick to say, well, then I'm done. If it's going to be hard, then I'm through. Well, how many people do you know have picked up a sport? And golf is not a sport. Golf's a game. Golf is, I don't, I don't care if they even put it in the Olympics, golf is a game. You know the difference between a game and a sport? Baseball's a, a, a sport. Football's a sport. So if you, if you can drink a beer while you play, it's a game. Darts, golf, you know, if you can drink and play at the same time, it's a game. Uh, if you have to put it down and actually break a sweat, that's a sport. So, so even in the game of golf, um, there are people who will get into it and say, you know what, this is too hard. Uh, there's the grip, there's the stance, there's the approach, the address, the, follow, the swing, the follow through. Oh, this is too hard. There's too much to this. There's too many rules. Oh, how many people say, oh, there's too many rules to, to Catholicism. Too many rules. There's more rules in the game of baseball than there is. And I, I guarantee you that uh, you'll, you'll, you'll tire of reading of all the games in, in, a, in uh, NFL uh, football than there is in the catechism. So uh, basically, we don't, we don't have rules. We don't say, you must do this. We say, you should. Based on, based on what Jesus taught, you should be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing that. But we don't say you can't. There are no Catholic police. There's nobody running to your door saying, did you follow this doctrine? Did you follow this dogma? We don't do that. Um, Christ leaves it up to you to choose to follow or not to follow. Nobody, nobody's going to force you. Nobody makes you. But a real Christian makes the effort, learns their faith, just like a real athlete would learn the rules of their game, and they would practice and, and work to get better. And I, I think that's a fair question to ask, our, ask ourselves every week. Or even in, in a reflection at the end of the day, look at, look at each day. Take a few minutes in the quiet of your evening 
before you go to sleep and say, did I do my best work today in a ref- as a reflection of Christ's love? How did I behave and could I have done that better? And so tomorrow, what will I do instead? I think a good Christian looks at their game, looks, looks at their approach, looks, looks at the way they, they address Scripture, looks at their follow-through. You know, how, did, how did you contact the ball in golf? Well, how did you contact other people in, in your everyday life? So the, I think there's a lot of parallels between someone who's serious about their, their sports, about their physical fitness, as there is about being serious about your spiritual fitness and being serious about the faith that you're supposed to be practicing and applying and not just taking lessons like I do with my golf. Don't just take lessons in Christianity a few Sundays out of the year. Get in there and practice. Get in there and apply. Get in there and challenge yourself to be better every time you go out. And as I say, I, I think you'll, you'll hear some of that in, in our readings today, especially in the, a lot of us take great self-satisfaction in believing that we're safe, we're okay, we're, we're in the in-group. You know, we're, a, we're on Christ's team and everybody else is on the outside. Uh, we hear a lot of that. Um, and not just, not just from Christians, but from, from non-Christians. Uh, you'll, you'll hear that in biblical times. Read through Scripture for, for many, many centuries. Uh, the Jewish people felt, it's us. You know, God told us we're the favorite people. No one else has a chance at salvation other than the Jewish people. And Jesus says, no, not, don't be in such a hurry to say that. In fact, long before Christ, about 6,000 years or so before, I'm sorry, 600 years before Christ, you had Isaiah saying, well, this is bigger than just the Jewish people. This is going, this is going to be further. When the Messiah comes, he's coming to, to reach out to everyone. So that, that's kind of what put Isaiah on the outs with, with the Israelites, was they're expecting their prophets to be the main cheer, cheerleader, go team. God's on your side. You know, you're, you're, his, you're his folks. And a lot of what Isaiah said is, be very careful with that because uh, the, the Messiah is coming for the salvation of all mankind, not just for the salvation of the tribes of Israel. And then Jesus takes us on a little field trip today uh, to teach the apostles a lesson. So our readings for this weekend come from Isaiah for our first reading The second reading is Paul to the Romans, and then our gospel reading is from Matthew. And I have to set, uh, I'll set the gospel reading up just before we get to it, because there's there's a little, there's a prelude to it that you have to understand uh, in order to understand the the gospel uh, really well. So Isaiah, as I say, wasn't always real popular. None of the prophets were always really popular, because uh, here's here's the deal. Uh, The Israelites, and for good reason, thought they were the chosen people of God because God told them that they were. And he did a lot of special things to help the Israelites grow as, as a community, as a tribe, as his chosen people. But the effort was often one-sided, and it was coming from God and not being reciprocated uh, by the Israelites. Uh, they would get in this really comfortable positions after everything was going really good in their lives because of the graces of God. They got so comfortable that they said, you know what? This is pretty easy. We don't need you now. We can do this on our own. And then what always happened is they messed up. They would start to sin. They, they grew away from God. They started to uh, incorporate 
the, uh, the worship of other gods from some of the surrounding tribes, many of whom they married into. And so, uh, and so oftentimes to, uh, to please their spouse, where have we heard this before? To please their spouse, they changed their religion or shared religions, mixed religions. And that only grew them further away from the God of Abraham. And so once they got so far away, they were no longer near those graces. And so without them, uh, they often fell into slavery. Well, when we get far from God, we fall into the slavery of sin. They fell into, fell into the slavery of, of nearby tribes who, who uh, uh, invaded. So the closer they stayed to God, the more prosperous they were, the more free they were. And the further they got from God, the deeper into slavery they fell. And so the, most of the times, the prophets came into being during those times of slavery in order to guide the Israelites back to God, back to uh, right worship, as it were. And so they were often telling the Israelites, hey, you're messing up. You're missing the boat. You've strayed away. Here's what you need to be doing. And it was often things that they didn't want to do. And so they took that frustration out on the, the prophet. And so quite often the prophets lived a very, uh, very sketchy life, often on the run. Uh, they would get close enough to preach and then the crowds would get all riled up and they would turn their anxieties onto the prophet. And so the prophet would, had to, would have to hide out. And Isaiah is, is about to tell them something they don't want to hear. Uh, they're all uh, up, in, up in their own, oh, what do I want to say, uh, their, their self-honor because they feel they are the only saved people. They are the children of, of God. They are God's favorite and everyone else is trash. And Isaiah has a different message for them today. So this is for the book of uh, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 56. And Isaiah says, Thus says the Lord, Observe what is right, do what is just. For my salvation is about to come, my justice about to be revealed. The foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, ministering to him, loving the name of the Lord and becoming his servants, all who keep the Sabbath free from profanation and hold for my covenant, them I will bring to my holy mountain and make joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The word of the Lord. And this was not a word that the Israelites wanted to hear. Because now the prophet of God is saying, it's not just about you. Everyone will be invited. And you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that in, in the days of, of the apostles, and even in the days of the prophets, your religion was determined by either the tribe you belonged to or the family you were born into. You were, you were the, and, and interestingly enough, you were the religion of your mother, not the father. Most of the times, the children were the religion of the mother. And that would, that's what made intermarriage outside of, uh, outside of the tribes of Israel um, so taboo was because quite often if a man married, married, into, uh, married a pagan woman, the children would be raised in, in the pagan beliefs. And that's because where's the, where's the father? Well, he's off working all day. Where's the mother? She's at home with the children, working with the children and caring for the children. So they grew up knowing the mother's beliefs more than the father's beliefs. And to a, to a, to a large point, we see that happening still today. Um, my father was not Catholic. I was raised Catholic because my mother was Catholic. 
So I was raised Catholic. Uh, you'll see in a lot of families of mixed marriages, the children end up being uh, following the faith of the mother. And that's why it's so important that fathers go to, go to church with their family and not spend Sunday working or Sunday golfing or Sunday watching football or any of those other things, or even doing other things with the children. It's important that Sunday you be at church with your children, that they see the Father's faith. Uh, Pew, uh, the, the Pew people, the uh, company who does a lot of uh, religious-based uh, surveys, said that a family, that, a, that a, a child from a family where the father attended worship services with, with the child 80% more likely to be active in their faith uh, as they become uh, young adults. That's a, that's a huge increase. So even if they attend regularly with mom, they tend to fall away from whatever that faith is if they don't see the father practicing the religion. So the, the role of both parents is important. Uh, mom needs to, what, what mom believes in is often what the children are going to believe in. But if they stay active in the faith of the adult, it's going to be through the strength of the father. And that's what makes the, the nuclear family so, so important. Because there's, there's a role to be played by both the husband and the wife, the father and the mother, that can't be duplicated by just one. And so it's very important that children have role models from, from both the father and, and the mother. So Isaiah is saying, be very careful because salvation's for everyone. So if, if it was your tribe or your family that determined what your religion was. Uh, that's what made Christianity so unique. And that's why they called the early church the Catholic Church. Catholic means all-inclusive, all-encompassing, universal. Because to be a member of the, of the Catholic Church, you, it didn't matter what tribe you came from because it was open to all tribes, all nationalities. Anyone of whatever your faith was in the past, past you could become Catholic through baptism. And that was a very unique aspect that no other religion at that time had. And that's where we got our name of the Catholic Church, the all-encompassing church, rather than just being based on family or tribe. Our, our next reading is from Paul uh, in a letter to the Romans. And Paul speaks, and again, this, this shows about the, this open-door policy of, of the Catholic Church compared to what was uh, the norm for, uh, for the Jewish people. Brothers and sisters, I'm speaking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I glory in my ministry in order to make my race jealous, his race being the Jewish race, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable, just as you once disobeyed God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now disobeyed in order that, by virtue of the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God delivered all to disobedience, that he might have mercy upon all. So this is, this is Paul leveling the field, saying that, I'm talking to you, the Gentiles, letting you know that, that the mercy of God is available to you, largely because his chosen people were disobedient and he showed mercy to them. So if he's going to welcome them back, certainly he's going to welcome you in. That the mercy of God is for 
all people. And up until now, uh, the Jewish people were thinking it was just for them. But they weren't paying attention to Isaiah in the past, 600 years in the past. And now they don't want to hear what Paul has to say. And so Paul takes a lot of pushback from the Jewish people as well, even though he was a Pharisee. He was a a fairly high-ranked official in in the Jewish faith. But he's, he's explaining now, not only to the Gentiles, that God's mercy is for them, but he's also telling the Jews, so you still have a chance because if God is willing to be merciful to those who were sinful before, meaning the Gentiles, and is now accepting them, that God will once again welcome you back despite your disobedience because God's mercy is for everyone. And that's so important even today because so often, you know, I'll, I'll speak to someone who, who says, I, I don't know what to do. I should probably go to confession, but but I haven't been in 30 years. Okay, all the more reason to come. Oh, if, if God is going to be merciful to someone who knowingly sins every single week and still comes back to confession every single week because they know they're a sinner, how much more grace is he going to show someone who has been sinful for so long and yet realizes the need for, uh, for them to come and, and do penance before Christ? So this mercy is available to you today, regardless of, of what you believe your past life has been, no matter how sinful you feel you've been. Uh, God's mercy is there for everyone. The, the Jewish people rejected God over and over and over again in Scripture. They were constantly walking away from God. Even David, uh, you, you, look at, you look at all the great kings who were supposedly, uh, you know, we talk about what, what great God-fearing people these were. Uh, uh, David and and Solomon and all of them who were uh, who were great leaders of the faith were also great sinners. Uh, David had a man killed so that he could he could take his wife, uh, not what you would put real high on the holy scale. And yet he came before God with a contrite heart and said that you know I've done terrible things. Do whatever you will with me, I deserve it. And God showed him great mercy and gave him great, great power and, and huge graces. So understand you have a, a merciful and, and loving God. And we see this again in, in, our, last, in our last reading in our uh, gospel from Matthew. So you have to understand that before this event happens that you're about to hear in, in the gospel, our previous gospel tells about how uh, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees and the scribes. And he really lays into him, and he, he talks to him about, you know, you guys talk a good game, but you don't, you don't actually do it. You don't actually live it out. And so you're just a bunch of hypocrites. And the apostles say, uh, afterwards, they say, you know, uh, Jesus, I think you were, a little, you were a little harsh, a little harsh to the Pharisees. I think you might have made him angry. And Jesus realizes, you guys don't get it. Uh, we're going on a field trip, and they take off for a place called Tyre which was north of Jerusalem. And this was an all Greek area, so all pagan. And he goes there uh, to, to see a, a, a very specific woman about a very specific event and to teach the apostles a lesson. And here's what happens. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of the district uh, came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away. She keeps calling out after us. And he said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
But the woman came and did Jesus homage, saying, Lord, help me. And he said in reply, it's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. And then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The gospel of the Lord. Can you imagine what the what the apostles must have thought when Jesus turns on this, this sorrowful woman who's pleading for his help, and he refers to her as a dog? They have to say, whoa, this is, we've never heard him talk like this before. No, they hadn't. And Jesus did that on purpose. For three years, he's been forming them as Christians, as followers of, of the teachings of Christ to understand what God's love is really about. So now he's, he's showing them, here's how the Pharisees act towards people. I'm going to act like the Pharisees see the difference, and they realize Wait a minute, this isn't how Jesus normally talks. The use of dog, by the way, was a very common insult for, uh, for the Jews to use against uh, the, uh, the pagans. Very common insult. So he uses that to, to show, like I say, that he's, more like, he's being more like the Pharisees. And uh, even though she's being insulted in front of all these people, and the apostles are probably aghast at what they're hearing him say, she holds her ground and begs for mercy and, and says, I know you're my master. And even, even dogs deserve a scrap. And all I'm asking, not, she's not even asking anything for herself. She's asking for her daughter, that her daughter be saved. So Jesus is showing that here's this, this woman who's not of the Jewish faith and has a total understanding and acceptance of who Christ is even though the Pharisees and the scribes who should have recognized him after the words of all the prophets should know who this is, they reject him. How often do we say, oh, that person's going to hell. (laughs) They don't stand a chance. They're not very holy. They should be more like us, right? Or our faith. And whether you're a Catholic talking about a non-Catholic or you're a non-Catholic criticizing the Catholic faith, don't be so comfortable in the holiness of your little group because Christ did not come for just your group. He came for the benefit of all mankind. He came to save everybody. And until that moment of death, you have that chance to convert. And that person you're criticizing is still a work in process. They still have a chance to convert. They still have a chance to come to Christ with a contrite heart to ask forgiveness for their sins, and to become a practicing Christian again. So be very careful about how you judge others. And don't think that you have the rights to the salvation of Christ just because of the religion you brought to you. Understand that Christ is a universal God who brings a universal, all-encompassing Catholic grace. Something to think about this weekend. Count your blessings, but count your sins as well. And see if it isn't time for you to, uh, to stop being a, a weekend practicer and, and go out and really uh, play the game of being a Christian. Apply the skills and uh, show that, that you're really serious about following uh, the, the laws and the love of Christ. This is Deacon Al bringing you good news on Catholic Spirit Radio. May Almighty God bless you, protect you, and bring you to everlasting life. Amen. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. 
Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.